It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Truman's Town Hall with your host, Matt Truman. Hello, hello, this is Matt Truman. Thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for sharing with a friend today on the podcast. It's March the 6th, 2021, and we're going to do another one. Yeah, another podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. It's Sunday. Right? Praise the Lord. It's Sunday. We've made it to another Sunday. Today, folks, I've been (laughs) paying attention. And I heard this the other day. And I was very, very intrigued, upset, you name it. I am growing more concerned that the neocons, the neolibs, the neo-whatever want war between Russia and the United States. Let me give you a little example. Senator Lindsey Graham. What does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stauffenberg in the (laughs) Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country a great service and the world a great service. Well, 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 well. So I was uh, laying in bed. Hannity comes on about nine. I threw it on Fox. And hey, just for everyone out there, I flip around. I watch a little CNN. And I've said this a lot. CNN has excellent war coverage. Their war coverage on Iraq was excellent. Their political coverage is poop. But I like watching their war coverage. Excellent. I don't say it's always accurate. I just say it's in-depth. And then we can look at other different media sources to figure out what is actually the truth. And I'm here to help you. Truman's Town Hall, right? Help you find out what is accurate or what what I think is accurate. But that was a, a sitting senator, Lindsey Graham. Oh, Lindsey Graham. Saying we need to assassinate Vladimir Putin. Wow. Big, big, big cojones to say some things like that. Those guys don't speak for us. Not not Americans like me, anyway. <sighs> Lord have mercy. That's not the type of rhetoric we want thrown around. These folks want us to go to war. For what? They want nuclear weapons dropped on our 
heads here in the United States. This guy is a weakling. He's a mouthful of rhetoric. That's all he is. He's a partisan. And it was disgusting to hear that. I remember laying in bed. You know, my wife's reading her book, right? We're laying in bed. It's like the Brady Bunch over here, okay? She's reading her book, and I'm, you know, I got the TV on low volume. And I'm trying to watch what Fox News is having to say. So I watched Tucker Carlson. I like Tucker Carlson. And then it bleeds into Hannity. So I start watching Hannity. Lindsey Graham comes on and does this. And I look at my wife and I go, that dude just called for the assassination of a foreign president. That's not what we do in this country, babe. And she just looked at me and was like, eh. She knows, though. She knows. knows. Unbelievable. What happens next? That was insane. I, I couldn't believe I heard that. And then he, he doubled down and tweeted about it. The senator wrote on Twitter, Is there a Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stauffenberg in the Russian military? The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. You would be doing your country and the world a great service. So this is obviously a planned uh, talking point, if you will. This is a planned talking point by Lindsey Graham. Who else is on board? Well, the entire media, the entire U.S. media, everywhere I look and everywhere I watch, it's always like, oh, look at what this is happening. Look at this. is, ha-. and, and how beautiful Zelensky is. And what a brave man this guy is. Look, I've said it on this podcast. Guy's brave. I'm not saying he's right or wrong. He's standing up for his country. That's great. But there's a lot of stuff about this war that doesn't sit right with me. Not at all. There's a lot of things, a lot of rhetoric being thrown around in Western media, especially U.S. media, doesn't sit right with me. I do like what Elon Musk did, though. So I don't understand all the particulars about (laughs) Starlink and the things that uh, that is, but it's an internet provider via satellite through space. Elon Musk is obviously one of the richest, if not the richest man in the world, and he's developed Starlink, which helps uh, give internet access to folks in the world. Ukraine was needing this because they were being hacked and shut down and power goes out and everything. So Elon Musk took his little satellite of Starlink, moved it to help the Ukrainians out so they would be able to uh, access the Internet and news reports and things like that. Um, His latest update, which he gives updates over on Twitter, folks. I'm not a big Twitter fan, but this is where a lot of folks communicate and I watch it. Uh, it was about two days ago. It said, important warning. Starlink is the only non-Russian communication system still working in some parts of Ukraine. So probability of being targeted is high. Please use with caution. But he also wrote this. And just so you know, there are multiple Starlink satellites out there. Like the last 
time I looked at 47, uh, deployment of 47 Starlink satellites confirmed. So there's at least 47 of them out there. Anyway, he also wrote this. Starlink has been told by several governments, not Ukraine, to block Russian news sources. We will not do so unless at gunpoint. Sorry to be a free speech absolutionist. Oh, Lord. Hold on. Hold on. Excellent. That's that's exactly what I believe. Free speech, ladies and gentlemen. You can agree with me. You can disagree with me. You can hate me. You can love me. Whatever. If you hate me, I'm sorry. You should just get to know me a little better. I can disagree with you, but I don't hate you. You can love me, and I'll love you back. I even love people that hate me. It's part of being who I am. I mean, free speech, ladies and gentlemen, that is how information is. Okay, so that's how information is received, right? Free speech. It's how information is processed. Or if you're in England, it's how it's processed. And it's it's how we understand what is right. What is right? We're being filled, filled with propaganda, filled with propaganda, right? I'm not on this podcast. I'm not purposely providing you with propaganda. I look at things and I say, okay, that seems legit or that seems accurate. And I put it out to you where I say, hey, this is thought provoking. Maybe you can think about this. Is it right? Is it wrong? I don't know, but let's think about it and let's see for ourselves. Let's make our own mind up and let's decide if this is right. I received a a message on Facebook. This is kind of going off the rails here. But I received a message on Facebook. Hey, uh, the mayor and a couple council members removed themselves from your your uh, your platform on or your group on Facebook, uh, Brick City Town Hall. Join it if you live or have an affiliation with Huber Heights. My response back is that's great. It's not for everybody, ladies and gentlemen. We like truth there. There are other groups that talk about, um, well, this drive-thru was terrible. I didn't get the food service I wanted. And they complain about things like that. What we talk about on Brick City Town Hall is, is about politics. It's about city stuff. It's about city issues. And some folks can't handle that because sometimes it's critical to politicians and sometimes it's critical to liberal politicians. And Mayor Gore, in my opinion, is a liberal politician. Just like Nancy Burge is a liberal politician. Kate Baker, liberal politician. Don Webb, liberal politician. Mark Campbell, liberal politician. Uh, Andy Hill was a liberal politician. I'm glad he left. He was a you know, I'm not talking down to the guy. I hope he lives a beautiful, wonderful life with his family and serves his church well. I think that's where his uh, 
his passion lies, and I, th- I think it's best for him. Liberal politician, right? Who else? Let's see here. Uh, Ed Lyons, liberal politician. Although he's making some good choices these days, I'd have to admit. Glenn Otto is not a liberal politician. I spent time with him. I know him. Yes, I ran against him. Probably wouldn't today, because he's not a liberal politician. Richard Shaw claims to be a Democrat, and I knew, hey, you're not a Democrat, dude. You're not a liberal politician. You believe in better things, right? The Huber Heights City Council is controlled by liberal politicians. You guys are controlled by Democrats. And money that comes in through the coffers as um, donations to campaigns. And, hey, if those donations come in, you better, you doggone better act on it. And if not, you're going to get revenge. Ooh, snap a lap a ding dong. Anyway, I get off on a tangent. So, folks left the, the, the Facebook group. Oh, boy. That's great. We don't want weenie liberal politicians on the Facebook group anyway. They were allowed to be on there because we run a free speech site. Everyone is allowed to join. You have a connection to Huber Heights? You're allowed to join. You can join the conversation. Guess what? Conservative voices tend to stand out because conservative voices are logical. Logical. Anyway, let's move on. And before we do, I don't hate any one of those folks. Right? You're allowed to join. You're allowed to leave. It's it. That's fine. But once you leave, when it's election time, it might be tough getting back on to spread your election message. That's what they like to do. They like to leave. In election time, they like to come back. And then, hey, look at me. Here's what I'm doing. No, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. You leave, you're gone. Anyway, I mean, that that's my opinion on it. And I happened to be in Hubert Heights tonight, and I ran into the guy who helps monitor, uh, helps admin that, that page, Brick City Town Hall. His name's Brian Deddy. Ran into him. I ran into him at Kroger's, and we, we had just a couple minutes to talk. He was busy getting his groceries checked out, and I was busy rolling in to get some cheese and some butter to make what I was going to make for dinner tonight. Yeah, we talk. I mean, it was just, it's just it's politics as usual in that city of Huber Heights. It's interesting. I mean, if, folks, if you're not from Huber Heights, org. pay attention. They do meetings on... I think it's every other Tuesday and every other Monday. It's just, uh, it is rather entertaining, rather entertaining. And I played that clip on the last podcast. If you didn't hear, it's, you know, (sighs) wow. All right. Enough of that. We need a clip. We need a clip. And and we were talking about the war in Ukraine and Russia. I'm going to play a clip by Greg Reese. It's a pretty controversial clip. It is. But uh, when you think about all this war, I played one from Greg Reese last time talking about how maybe Vladimir Putin isn't 
too far off when he's talking about Nazis in Ukraine. Before I play this clip, let me tell you a story. So I was in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked about this before. I was a soldier. When I went over there, before, like, I, I went over early. I was one of the first people in, you know, front-lined. And uh, there wasn't a lot for me to do. So I volunteered for some guard duty. And I did some some guard duty. And I worked at a guard shack at the kitchen facility. And I was partnered up with a guy from none other than the Ukraine. He was a contractor working over in Afghanistan. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the most racist dude I had ever met in my life. And I'm a white dude. And you know how white people talk to other white people. Hey, hey, I agree. You know, I don't play that racist stuff. I don't. I don't, I don't subscribe to any of that. And when somebody like this dude was like this, that, and the other, right? I don't want to repeat it on here. And I was like, bro, I don't play that crap. Don't talk that crap to me. That ain't, that don't fly with me. I ain't that dude. I said, yep, look at that. Yep. Oh, I'm, I'm a white boy. That's true. But no, this ain't going to fly with me. Get away with that. And I went back and was like, look, I ain't working with that Ukrainian dude no more. That guy is, he's the most racist dude I ever met. Look, I, I had a, a lot of black dudes in my platoon, right? Those are my homies. Those are my people. Those are the folks that uh, I roll with. Those are the guys that are going to save my life. And those are the guys' lives that I'm going to save, right? Anyway, I could go into it more, but I'm not. I'm just going to say this. The most racist dude I've ever met. In America, and all the travels I've done around the world, the most racist dude I ever met was from Ukraine. So I have maybe a bit of a bias on all this. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> to play this uh, clip from Greg Reese, Infowars.com. I don't know. Check it out. Look into it for yourself. For years now, Russia has made verifiable claims that the U.S. is running secret biological weapons labs around their borders. And while Western media now claims this to be misinformation, back in 2013, they reported on it. While the United States and Murder Incorporated have been waging illegal wars all across the world in the name of democracy, Russia has been quietly selling energy and minding their own business. And according to National Geographic, this was the reason why the Pentagon was building these bioweapons labs in the first place. Because Russia was entirely quiet on the subject, and the U.S. wanted to get ahead of them. The initial biolab in Kazakhstan was built by the U.S. for $100 million to store high-risk diseases such as plague and anthrax and was hoping to attract scientists who might otherwise create biological weapons of mass destruction for someone else in order to keep the world safe. The U.S. has since built several labs in Kazakhstan. Most recently, a biosafety level 4 lab to be completed in early 2022. As early as 2004, the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency 
DTRA, began creating a network of biolabs for infectious diseases in Uzbekistan. And within a few years after operations began, outbreaks of unknown diseases were reported in the same areas as the labs. In Georgia, leaked documents show that the U.S. Embassy has been transporting deadly pathogens and human blood as diplomatic cargo in a scheme where private U.S. contractors working for three different U.S. biolabs have been given diplomatic immunity to do so. Shortly after Russia invaded Ukraine, At War Clandestine released a video with maps of U.S. biolabs matching up with maps of the recent attack, suggesting that Russia was securing these top-secret biolabs. Western media claims this is false, but fails to debunk it. And once the video goes viral, the U.S. Embassy in Ukraine is caught deleting evidence of these labs from their website. But not before an independent journalist was able to copy documents showing 11 Ukrainian biolabs funded by the Pentagon. The Russian embassy to Bosnia has accused the U.S. of filling Ukraine with biolabs, which were very possibly used to study methods for destroying the Russian people at the genetic level. And we now know that these so-called mRNA vaccines are destroying people at the genetic level. We now officially know that COVID-19 is a man-made bioweapon. We know that it was funded by elements of the NIH and Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance. We know that it was made in Wuhan, China. And so what isn't threatening about the U.S. encircling Russia with top-secret biolabs? And who on earth thinks it's a coincidence that everyone involved in the United Nations Great Reset are now the Ukraine's greatest allies of all time? The mercenaries and war profiteers in America are getting excited about making short-term profits off the dead. But the only ones who will benefit from this war are the crooks at the top who have been caught committing the most heinous crime against humanity in all of recorded history. And the only righteous way out of this is to hold these crooks accountable. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. All right, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Reese for InfoWars.com. I don't know. Believe it or not, I don't care. I just played you the report. That's what they reported. And I show it to you because we're living in a world where you can't even play things like that. It's like, oh, no, no, that's no, you can't play that because that's fake news. That's that you're canceled for playing things like that. I don't I don't really care, <laughs> to be honest. I really don't. Um, should we play some more controversial things? I don't know. We we played Lindsey Graham talking about assassinating a president. How do Oh my goodness. So this, this is a, it's a thing. How did World War One start? Franz Ferdinand. I don't know. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I don't know. Do you guys know how World War I started? Franz Ferdinand. They assassinated Franz Ferdinand. It's insane. By the summer of 1914... Europe was in a crisis. Just weeks before, Archduke Franz Ferdinand, heir to the Austro-Hungarian throne, had been assassinated in Sarajevo by a Serbian-backed terrorist. Now, just a few weeks later, the continent's largest armies were mobilizing against each other, with new nations joining the fight seemingly every week. The world watched with bated breath as Europe marched to war. So what happened? How did a seemingly irrelevant local conflict in Southeast Europe become a world war? And why did Britain decide to get involved? Well, before we answer those questions, a reminder to subscribe to the Imperial War Museum's YouTube channel for more videos just like this every two weeks. When people ask how the First World War began, it's often couched in terms of a domino effect, a series of events that were almost preordained. But what I would say is that if anyone had suggested in June 1914 in Britain that a world war might be about to break out, and they would have been met with disbelief, really. Britain hadn't fought a war on the continent since the final defeat of Napoleon at Waterloo 99 years previously. Rather than a war in Europe, Britain was primarily occupied with its own internal affairs. As the 20th century dawned, Britain's one of the greatest powers on earth. It rules over this vast global empire. Uh, I mean, it's so big that every fourth person on earth owes its allegiance to the British crown. The Briton was the world's merchant sailor. His flag encircled the globe. 60% of the vessels on any ocean were his. The lifeblood of the British Empire was the sea. The Royal Navy policed the waves so that its merchant ships could trade across the globe. This brought the British Empire vast wealth, but not all of its citizens were able to share in it. Many overseas subjects were demanding greater freedom from the empire to control their own affairs, while at home, domestic issues threatened to boil over. There's this huge inequality of wealth that underpins British life at the turn of the 20th century. Only two-thirds of men have got the right to vote. Absolutely no woman has the right to vote. So I'd say by the time you get to 1914, this is quite a, a volatile country. The most divisive issue, however, was that of home rule for Ireland. Some people in Ireland wanted to be ruled from Dublin rather than Westminster while others were bitterly opposed to this, including some vocal British politicians and a sizable contingent in the north of Ireland who considered themselves to be British. As the Home Rule Bill made its way through Parliament, rival militias began to arm themselves on either side of the issue. There is a very real threat that this is going to spill over into violence in the summer of 1914. And so to suggest to people in Britain that the conflict that's about to occur will come from Europe rather than from Ireland, most people would have been very, very shocked to hear that. But while domestic tensions were rising in Britain, new tensions were coming to the fore in Europe. 
Germany was the new kid on the block with big ambitions. After defeating France in the Franco-Prussian War of 1870, the most powerful German state, Prussia, allied with smaller Germanic states to create a united Germany. But this new nation wanted an empire of its own. Britain really initially admired this new nation. Britain really actually saw it as a, a friend. But Imperial Germany soon began to threaten Britain's sense of supremacy, its determination to up its industrial output, up its military strength, and most crucially for Britain, a rival fleet of warships. For a golfer like me, I need every advantage, whatever you would like in it, water, a windex. German ships maneuver in the cold waters of the North Sea. This new German navy was a threat to Britain's naval dominance, the glue that held the empire together, and something for which Britain could not stand. That rivalry then turned into an arms race as each nation tried to outproduce the other with ever greater feats of technology. This culminated in the production of dreadnought battleships, which were seen as the nuclear weapons of their day. That factor means Britain's now started to see Germany as a threat. By the time you get to, say, 1907, uh, Europe's really split into two opposing camps. Germany had disturbed the delicate balance of power in Europe. France, fearing this new empire on their doorstep, allied with Russia in the east, an unlikely friendship for two of Europe's most ideologically opposed nations. That then left Germany feeling surrounded and pushed them to form an alliance with the Austro-Hungarian Empire and, to a lesser extent, Italy. Finally, Britain and its empire, afraid of German domination on the continent, drifted closer to France and Russia, though without going as far as forming an alliance. You've got Germany, Austria, Hungary and Italy, and you've got France, Russia and, to some extent, Britain. There's still no immediate reason for war between the two. It would take a crisis to turn tensions into an armed conflict. And that crisis came in the summer of 1914. The Balkans in Southeast Europe had been a hotbed of unrest for some time, with two wars in the preceding three years. Those wars had made Austria-Hungary's neighbour Serbia much larger, prompting tensions between the two nations to rise even further. When Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated in June by a Serbian-backed terrorist, Austria-Hungary felt it had no choice but to assert its dominance. Austria-Hungary sets out to punish Serbia. It wants to quash support for Serbian nationalism. It's encouraged by its ally, Germany. So after Serbia failed to meet the terms of a very draconian ultimatum, Austria-Hungary declares war on Serbia. And this act of war, this stirs up these old tensions and anxieties right across the continent because it draws in supporters and allies on both sides. When Austria-Hungary declared war on Serbia, Russia came in to back the Serbs in defence of a fellow Slavic nation. When Germany, in support of its ally, then declared war on Russia, that brought France into the war on Russia's side. Italy, however, did not join the war as its alliance with Germany and Austria-Hungary was a defensive pact. In a matter of weeks then, Europe's largest powers were primed for war. But Britain was still in two minds over whether it should be involved. 
it agonised over whether to support Russia and France. I think at the heart of Britain's anxieties, it came down really to Britain fearing German domination of Europe. Because if a victorious but hostile Germany dominated the continent and threatened Britain's position in the world, that was just intolerable for Britain. The tipping point came thanks to Germany's war plans. Hoping to defeat France quickly before Russia had a chance to mobilise her forces, Germany attempted to skirt round the French defences in Alsace and Lorraine by attacking through neutral Belgium, a country Britain had sworn to protect. On the 4th of August, Britain issues an ultimatum to Germany, which is ignored, which ends in Britain declaring war on Germany. And by Britain declaring war on Germany, that also means its global empire is at war. And you have a conflict set up that becomes very rapidly a world war. The causes of the First World War are complex. They're still debated to this day. The nations didn't realize it at the time but their attempts to defend what they perceived as their own national interests created a war that would shape Europe for decades to come. Most participants expected the war to be over by Christmas, but as we know, the reality was very different. The First World War became what we would call a total war. These nations pitted against each other, millions of men fighting on land, on the sea, in the air, modern weaponry causing mass casualties. And ultimately, the war broke the empires of Germany, of Russia, of Austria-Hungary. It forced the USA kind of onto the world stage. And the war also laid the seeds for future conflict in places like the Middle East. So it ultimately defined the shape of Europe and the world in the 20th century. And this is how it all began. All right. So that was... Uh... World War One. That's how it started. Franz Ferdinand. And then you got Lindsey Graham over here talking about is there uh is there anybody gonna assassinate Putin? Good night, Irene. So we're going to um it is now I'm recording this on Saturday. Well, it's Sunday morning at twelve forty five AM we're going to tune in to uh, the big news stations. We're going to do Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, BBC, and we're going to see what they're talking about. Western news. Let's see what they're talking about. Then we're going to end the podcast, and we'll come back and talk about some other stuff. Anyway. All right, here we go. MSNBC. Anguish arrives by the hour. Absolutely awful situation. Without any ideas, good ideas. Why? Why we say why? Because really bomb, really rockets, really died. Every time we afraid. She and so many others have made the thousand-mile journey from the heavily shelled city of Kharkiv. Here, there is safety. What there isn't is certainty. This train carried 500, some more, others less. They're both young and old, a mixture of those Ukrainian by birth and others who are not, all now refugees. Do you guys know each other? No, no, no. We just met him. 
Inside the train station, there is food, medicine, and small comforts. All of it arranged by volunteers. Like these women who scour lists on laptops to pair the weary travelers with temporary shelter in private homes across Budapest. We don't know when exactly the train comes, and it's really bad because uh, two days ago there was we were here at 2 a.m. and 900 people just came in. We were like, oh my God, it's 2 a.m. How can we manage this? And, and even at 2 a.m. we find accommodation for them. They disembark in a new, unfamiliar place. As we reported live on our first night in Hungary, a woman stopped me in the station. Uh, there's an ability. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I don't speak. I speak English. This train station, the name of this train station. Uh, I will. Uh, this train station name, David, what's the train station name here? Niati Station. Niati Station. Nugati Station. Nugati, that's correct. Nugati Station. Okay. Good luck. All right, so MSNBC is talking about Hungary. At my house, we enjoy a dish, a Hungarian dish called Paprikash. Check it out. All right, let's go to CNN and let's see what they have to say. COVID outbreaks among Ukrainian refugees as well. Organizations around the world and on the ground here in Ukraine trying to help those who need food, shelter, water, and other assistance, basic needs. For more information about how you can help, go to cnn.com slash impact. All right, that'll do it from here for now. Let's go back to Paula Newton in Atlanta. I'll see you a bit later, Paula. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. Now, a deadly tornado touches down in the state of Iowa. We'll go live to the CNN Weather Center for the latest. That's after the break. Okay, well, I'm just learning about the tornado in Iowa by tuning in to CNN. So I'll have to check that out here in a minute. As a matter of fact, I'll look it up real quick and let you guys know. All right, so here's what I got. It says, in central Iowa, damage has been reported in the communities of Winterset and Norwalk, officials said a confirmed tornado caused damage as it moved south of the Des Moines area. Officials say search and rescue operations are underway in Winterset this evening. Emergency manager officials indicate that at least two people have been confirmed dead in Madison County. This is a developing story. Check back for updates and this was from looks like nine news abc kcrg news if you want to learn more about the tragic storm in iowa folks we're just i'm just doing this on the random i'm just pulling up we did msnbc cnn we'll move on to uh bbc news let's check that out I was logistics uh, manager in events, organizing sports events like Formula One, a concert of Michael Jackson, Prince. I had a company with friends and we were going from one port or cultural event to another, creating our own uh, events. It's a kind of the same logistics, but with a different purpose. And the difference in purposes became apparent to him in the early 90s. 
1993, when the problem occurred in Burundi, I decided to go for three months instead of contributing financially, and I got hooked. Jean Cedric is Belgian, and he picked an interesting time to come back to Europe and make this warehouse in Copenhagen his base. I joined here at the right moment. I joined here last year in February 2021. Okay, so BBC News is definitely not reporting on what's happening in Ukraine. They're uh, off to a regular schedule, so I guess there's no war happening between Russia and Ukraine, according to the BBC. Let's... (laughs) Let's move on to Fox News or Fox News. Strangers from around the world showing their support for Ukraine. Hundreds booking overnight stays on Airbnb in the country's most affected areas, giving money directly to those suffering as Putin's invasion continues. The initiative started by a New York City influencer went viral, resulting in more than 60,000 nights booked on the site to support Ukraine. Amidst the horror of war, a moment of humanity at the Lviv train station. Listen. young woman playing what a wonderful world on the piano today as ukrainians try to flee their country thousands of women and children arrived in the western ukraine city as the state railway added more trains to try to rescue people from fierce russian attacks on eastern cities i'm john scott our live special coverage continues with an expanded edition of the fox report at the top of the hour straight ahead All right, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like Fox News is the biggest hype artist tonight. Trying to get you all hyped up for this war. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh, were those the same? Was that the same network that brought you Lindsey Graham? Yeah. Yes, it was. I'm going to end this broadcast with a bound report. Another Infowars.com. I don't know. I like Greg Reese. I like John Bown. I think they're good uh, reporters. Not just good, entertaining, interesting reporters. So we'll end this broadcast with John Bound. And the report is Biden corruption invites NWO, New World Order, Nuke hell on earth. Might as well do that one to end this broadcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for downloading this episode. Thank you for sharing with a friend. Please share with a friend. It's on Apple Podcast. It's on iHeartRadio. It's on Amazon. Alexa, play Truman's Town Hall Podcast. It's on Spotify. Wherever you listen to podcast Truman's Town Hall will be there for you. Thank you, and I'll talk to you later. Now here is the Bound Report. We're looking at a giant war in February right now. Currently, that's the projections with the top people on the earth who claim 
They're not with uh, the New World Order Combine. Is war in February. And th this is the type of time, like right before World War One, right before World War Two, when everything kicks off. Top officials of leading NATO countries are making aggressive statements about our country. Therefore, I'm ordering the Minister of Defense and the Chief of the General Staff to put the strategic nuclear forces on special alert. The president saying these missiles are unstoppable. They can go anywhere. They can deliver a nuclear warhead to any part of the world. They can fly forever, uh, and there's nothing anyone can do about them. Plus, uh, we can launch them in any number of different ways. We can launch them off aircraft carriers. We even have an underwater drone, which is going to be undetectable. Uh, and then it was almost as if he was turning to the West and said, uh, uh, you, you haven't listened to us, well, you have to listen to us now. Russia lost 20 million people in World War II, and so it is in the consciousness, and that's what Putin said. He said, people always try to bully us, they always come up on our borders with weapons, and for the first time ever, Russia is not going to wait till you attack, and if you want to have a nuclear war, let's go ahead and have it. He also says you want to sexualize our children, you're a bunch of pedophiles, Hollywood's a bunch of devil worshippers. Uh, you want to destroy men and women in the family, and we're done. You want a nuclear war? Let's just have one. I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't even know what we're supposed to say at this point. But the Russians know that Hollywood and the left is not America. It is a disease. It is a cancer. But nevertheless, that cancer hijacked and stole the election. And that cancer has the nuclear weapons and all the space space crap. And the Russians aren't stupid. They know they'll only get off a fraction of their nukes in a war. It'll be enough to totally destroy North America. There are many different ways in which this conflict could spiral into a broader war between NATO and Russia. And both sides have military doctrine that allows them to use nuclear weapons in the event that they are losing a conventional battle. Uh, and so there's a real potential here. For this to take place. Russia shall reserve the right to use nuclear weapons in the event of aggression when the very existence of the state is in jeopardy. And that's why all the billionaires, all the big insiders have already hightailed it out of the United States. They're all gone right now, almost all of them. They're in New Zealand, they're in Australia, uh, they're in uh, up near the Arctic Circle and different bases in uh, northern Canada. They're underground right now. It's a Slavic civil war. Everybody should just stay the hell out of it, ladies and gentlemen. And make no mistake, it was George Soros and others that lit this damn fuse. I set up a foundation in Ukraine before Ukraine became independent of uh, Russia. Um, and the foundation has been uh, functioning ever since. And it played a, an important part in events now when i mention our names like mrs merkel um, even uh, vladimir putin and so on they all have been young global leaders of the world economic forum and biden as the vice president says that he basically puppet controls uh, the new regime there after they overthrew the elected government here he is bragging to the world uh, that they own ukraine we're not going to give you the billion dollars they said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Got fired. If the prosecutor's not fired. 
So they make all these thug claims, act all tough, ship in $10 billion of weapons, $5 billion in the last year, attack all these Russian-held areas, and the Russians are just like, okay, I, mean, I guess we'll attack back.